All right, welcome to episode 13 of the Dependable Dad Podcast. I probably need a different name for this because I don't know if it's necessarily that, but we're going to stick with that name for right now. Um, so today is a solo episode, but I'm actually going to try this a little differently. So if you're watching, you can see that uh, I have my friend and, and a longtime client, Remy Ellis, on here. Also does has his own podcast, which I'll let him uh, talk about here in a second. Um, yeah, we've been working together for like two and a half years or so now it's it's been it's been a while off and on um and so remy obviously with the time that we've been working together we've learned you know he's learned a lot but also is just a really good um kind of guy to have on and and i tend to work better if i'm having a conversation versus just talking to the wall and so i, I thought i'd bring remy on for to try it for this kind of solo type podcast but have it be something where i'm not um just talking to the wall and he can maybe voice some of the questions that you all might have or make me clarify things that don't make sense, but make sense in my head, which uh, I feel like oftentimes happens when I'm just talking to myself. So excited to have Remy on. We'll kind of see how this goes, but he's going to be sort of moderator and, and you on the mic, if that makes any sense uh, for this episode. So thanks for coming on Remy. Yeah. Pleasure to be here, Jeff. Really appreciate you uh, letting me join big fan of what you do and uh yeah excited for the conversation yeah real quick what's the name of your podcast again remind me yeah so my show is called the sprouting success podcast really in line with personal growth and, and personal development so get into all kinds of things around mindset uh you know finding and creating opportunities for yourself building momentum uh all things success yeah it's it's really good i've, I've caught quite a few episodes and uh yeah he just does a good Good job, has a great perspective on it. And a lot of it's linked to what it is that we're, we talk about here on this podcast too, so it'll be great. So this is actually going to be part two of, I was telling Remy before we hit record, this could be a two-part, it could be a three-part, it could be a four-part series. I don't really know how, how far we're going to go on this, but on building your workout program. And so part one was episode 11, so if you haven't listened to that one, go back to and listen to that one. It's a little bit shorter. That one was just me talking. So again, this is where I, as I did that, I was like, I should probably have somebody else be here to, to be a sounding board, but um, talking about how to structure your workout program schedule based on your schedule. So how many days per week are you going to do? What sort of a split are you going to do? Um, and how do you adjust based on the inevitable interruptions that happen in life? Um, moving your workout, rest days, etc. All of that's in that episode. So definitely go back and check that one out because that's going to be kind of foundational for what it is that we're going to talk about today. So today, really want to dig into the workouts themselves and the structure for how we build them out based on this. And there's a lot of different areas that we can go into here. And so we're going to kind of just start at the beginning and and see how where we where we go um and so remy we we've talked about this a few times with because you've done a bunch of different workout structures over the course of the two and a half years that we've worked together you've done total body stuff you've done upper lower splits you've done counteracting muscles you've done a bro split you've done all kinds of different stuff um but i think the fundamental components to any workout are the same regardless of the split, which are there are four uh, main buckets that we want to fill to some degree with every workout in, in our lives. Uh, this is something that comes from Mike Boyle, who is kind of a, a the godfather of strength and conditioning in America. Basically, he's, he's who I kind of learned under as I was coming up into training and everything like this. And so he calls this the four buckets and there's an order in which we need to do these buckets um, and fill them all. So the four buckets are mobility, strength, power, and conditioning or cardio. Those are all four important components to training and overall health. And that's actually the order of importance in terms of longevity and, and, being able to put together a training program, oftentimes the cardio piece varies depending on the person. Um, and we talked a little bit about cardio last week. Um, 
Again, that's going to be great for your overall health, heart health, all this kind of stuff. But in terms of putting together a, an individual workout, those are the four buckets that we want to fill. Um, so I kind of want to go through those and why the order is the way that it is. If that, does that sound like a good place to start? That sounds good to me. Yeah. I'm thinking back, I'm a pretty decent case study for, for this conversation. Um, you mentioned the, the four buckets and hopefully you'll get into this, um, at some point, are you trying to hit a bucket a day, four buckets in, in one workout? Hopefully yeah. Get into that so, at some point. yeah. So within every workout, we, to some degree, want to touch on, Again, this is it doesn't have to be that you hit all four within every workout. Um, and again, the priority is the order that it's in. Like so, for instance, you know, over the course of the week, we certainly want to be hitting all of them. Um, but oftentimes, putting them together makes more sense because they also play off of each other. So, w what do we mean by that? So, mobility, like if you were going to do something like once a week right? Like mobility would be like a yoga class or something like that, right? So that could be something, but you don't want to only do it once a week and then not do it ever again for a couple of reasons. One, that doesn't necessarily, like you're, you're going to be better off for your strength work or your power work or all these kinds of things if you've done a proper warm-up. Um, so let's kind of start there. So the reason yeah. why mobility and actually stability, those two components are fundamental and the priority number one is because you don't want to get stronger on top of dysfunctional movement. What I mean by that is if you squat, for instance, with really terrible form because your ankles aren't mobile enough or your knees hurt or whatever it is, and then we start adding load, more weight, more reps, etc. onto that, it's just going to make it worse because you're going to have to adapt to the dysfunction that you already have. And so being able to move well in the appropriate movement patterns is essential first step before we start adding load, which is the strength component of it. Um, and so part of why it's important to kind of bring this together within your workout and do your mobility work first, and you can also intersperse it throughout your workout and things like that, but doing that first is going to set you up to make sure that you're getting the most out of your strength workout because you are, you've kind of lubed up those joints to some degree because anybody, you know, over the age of 30, it might be earlier, but over the age of 30, you roll out of bed first thing in the morning and you're all stiff. And if you were to immediately at that point, try to like bend down and lift up something heavy, you'd probably blow a gasket, right? Because you haven't properly greased your gears to do that yet. And so we don't necessarily want to just jump in right from the get-go into strength training if we haven't done the requisite mobility work. And this also changes over the course of time um, as you get older and your joints require a little bit more tender loving care. So like when I work with 12-year-olds, who come in, like, we probably don't even need to warm up. <laughs> like, those kids are just so, they're gumby, they're ready to rock and roll. All I need to do is look at my my 18-month-old daughter who literally will bend herself in half. Like, she'll sit with her butt on the floor and then put her forehead on the floor. You know, these we get less mobile as we age. So there's something to not coming into it cold, especially as you get older. And so... That's why we want to prioritize that uh, more. And I think in general, like this is an overarching statement, most people could use more mobility and stability work, but it actually, there's those, those are both components. So mobility and stability are the two components of it. Mobility is the joint's ability to move. Stability is their ability to control that movement in space. Again, generalizing, most women are more mobile and aren't quite as stable and man, it's the other way around. And that's, that's, I'm generalizing, but you, you oftentimes see women who are more flexible than men. And, but you also oftentimes see women who are a little bit less stable than men. 
And it's just because of how our, our bodies are kind of put together a little bit differently. So mobility, Jeff, is explain what explain what that looks like. Is that is that stretching before a workout? Is that taking a jog? Different variations. So a lot of components to it for sure. So mobility is not going to be taking a jog necessarily. Although doing a warm up, when you're doing a warm up, you come into the gym, you're going to do a warm up. There are a couple of main goals of the warm up. One is to get your blood flowing. Again, this is the waking up first thing out of bed. You try to do something, you're stiff, you want to get the blood flowing, you want to kind of get your body temperature up. And so doing a jog, riding on the bike, low intensity, jumping rope, even, you know, foam rolling. Um, If you've never seen a foam roller, it's like a self-massager. That actually does, like if you go to a massage, what happens to your muscles, right? They're getting worked. They're going to heat up. Your muscles heat up by doing that. So it's the same thing that happens when you foam roll. And one of the reasons why I like foam rolling at the beginning, and again, Mike Boyle says this a lot, if you think about like a rubber band with a knot in it, and I think I've told you this one before, right? You have a rubber band with a knot in it, and then you try to stretch the rubber band. What happens to the knot? It gets tighter, right? So what do we need to do? We need to actually undo the knot before we can stretch the rubber band. So that's part of the reason why, if you, particularly if you feel like you have some knots in your muscles and things like that, getting foam rolling done, which is basically self-massaging. It's it's low-key soft tissue work. Helps kind of get the knots out before we then go into stretching. So then the next component is going to be stretching. And again, you can you can warm up your muscles doing a few different ways, right? So I, I, I tend to like to do some kind of, you know, activation isn't a great word, but just kind of like very um, low-intensity exercises for targeted muscles, particularly your core and your glutes and, and your rotator cuff, the backside of your of your shoulders, um, because those tend to be a little bit not as active necessarily. They're not, you know, you're not moving them as much when we sit all day. And so doing things like glute bridges, your heels on the ground, you lift your hips, you do like a dead bug uh, type core exercise. And again, you can Google these if you'd like to know what they are. Or a floor slide on the floor with your hands on the back and sliding up and down just to wake up the backs of your of your shoulder blades. That is another way to kind of get the blood flowing and, and things like that. Because you don't want to stretch cold muscles because that doesn't feel great um, mm. oftentimes. But when, they, when we say stretch cold muscles, right, oftentimes people then say, oh, I got to stretch at the end of my workout, which is fine. You can do that. But we also want to kind of wake it up at the beginning of the, of the workout. So stretching is kind of the next component to it once the, the, the things are going. Now, when we say stretching, though, this is where we might, yeah, we're definitely not getting all the way. <laughs> this is going to be like a four-part thing. Because um, we haven't even gotten, we're, I don't know, 13 minutes in. We've, we haven't even gotten <laughs> halfway through the warm-up yet. But when we talk about stretching, okay, this is where... We use we want to use I think you and I have talked about this before. It's called the joint by joint approach to all of your joints, mm-hmm. and this alternates. Some of your joints want to be mobile, and some of your joints want to be stable. Meaning, some of your joints want to be able to free flow and move as much as they can, and some of your joints are not meant to move all of that much. And it actually alternates as you work your way up your body whether they want to be more mobile or more stable. So if you start down at your ankles, your ankles want to be mobile, right? We want your ankle to be able to move freely around. And so doing some ankle mobility drills, again, you can Google some of these, are are great ways to kind of, it's a first thing to try to do because our ankles can stiffen up. Then you move one joint up to your knee. You don't really want your knee to be mobile, right? If your knee bends other than like one way, you've probably torn something, right? That's where torn ACLs and MCLs and all this kind of stuff comes. Your knee is meant to bend one way. So you actually want stability around your knee. So that could be something as simple as standing on one leg, right? Or doing something on one leg where you're forcing, and and all you have to do is just stand on one leg for 10 seconds and you'll feel all of the little fingers of your toes, the fingers of your toes, all of the little muscles in your feet and your toes trying to grip the floor as you move back and forth. And so doing that 
works also not only the muscles in your feet but also the muscles around your knee to try to stabilize and then as you get a little bit stronger you can do some like assisted one leg type movements up and down just to try to make that work a little bit then you move one joint up hips hips are the ball and socket joint right like they look like this and so they're gonna move you want that to move as much as you can you want that thing to be greased and ready to rock and roll mm -hmm. so we want to do two things with this. Oftentimes with our hips, you got to think about this kind of as a front and a back, right? So the front of your hips are your hip flexors. It's like the top of your quads and things like that. Those are oftentimes tight on us because you and I are sitting right now. And if you look at how we're sitting, the front of our legs are, are bent up. They're bench. So they're, they're short. The front of my leg is closer to my hip than is the back of my leg. The back of my leg is rested long. So the front of my hips, my hip flexors, are oftentimes, for most people, tight. So they're like, okay, I, we want to stretch your hip flexors. And there's a thousand hip flexor stretches that you can do. So stretching your hip flexors. On the flip side of that, we oftentimes have our, our glutes, the backside of our legs, resting long. Meaning that if you look at the distance between the back of your hip when you're sitting and like the bottom of your butt, that's further when you're sitting than if you're standing upright. So that muscle is resting long. And so we don't necessarily want to stretch the backside of our hips a lot for most people. So a lot of people are like, oh, my hamstrings are tight. It's not necessarily that they are tight. It's that they're, they're resting long a lot of times. And so they're kind of, our hips are kind of cocked forward into what's called anterior pelvic tilt which basically is just a fancy word of if you looked sideways in the mirror, your belt buckle would be lower than the back of your belt, right? Your, your hips are kind of tipped, tipped down this way. Got it. And so what we want to try to do there is oftentimes some strengthening of our glute muscles, um, doing things like mini band walks, Right. So this is creating some of the stability that we want because we don't want total like freewheeling like your hips are all over the place. So we want some stability as well as some mobility. So mini band lateral walks or side leg raises like your Jane Fonda type exercises, those types of exercises where you feel like the burn in the side of your butt. And I call it the butt dimple, like that little divot in your butt. That's where we want to kind of work that those two together going along here, but that, am I making sense so far? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So then next joint up from your hips is called your lumbar spine. That's your low back that wants to be stable. We don't want a ton of mobility in your low back. Oftentimes if we have low back pain, it's because our low back is, is doing the work that other parts of our muscles of our body should be doing. So our glutes should be doing, or our upper back should be doing in terms of rotating, right? We don't want our low back to rotate that oftentimes would, that would hurt. Uh, we want our low back to not have to rotate a lot. We don't want our low back to bend a lot. It's the, you know, the S curve in your back. That's kind of the inward thing. So we don't want that to have to bend out. So we want that to be stable. So that's where working your core on the other side of it, doing those dead bugs, doing even just some basic deep breathing where you're lying flat on your back and you're trying to press your belly button down into the floor and trying to take the, take the arch out of your back. You're going to feel like your, your core is working just to kind of come a little bit concave. Then the next joint up is your thoracic spine, which is kind of your mid back. And that actually wants to be mobile. That allows you to rotate a lot. So there are actually some really great exercises and they feel fantastic for thoracic spine mobility, or it's called your T spine. So if you Google like T spine or thoracic spine mobility exercises, there's 10,000 of them out there, but it's basically where you're going to try to control your ability to open your chest up the other direction. So now I can rotate my upper back, but not my lower back. Next joint up is your cervical spine, which is 
your neck, that one needs to be stable, right? Because you have like you can't have too much mobility in there, otherwise your head's gonna fall all over the place. Right? You need you know, you want some mobility in your neck, but more what you're trying to get is stability in your neck. Um, that's what our head that's why you have to support babies' heads, is because they don't have cervical stability, right? And their heads just flop all over the place. Then going from your cervical spine, kind of down your arm, you go to your shoulder, which is the other ball and socket joint. So that one needs to be mobile. And it's very similar to the hip in that the front of it, because we, we like hunched over all the time, is oftentimes resting tight. So we want to stretch open up our chest. So do some chest stretches, like you, know, you hold on to something and open, open something, um, open up. Again, you can Google chest stretches. Um, and we want to strengthen the backside of it, which are your rotator cuffs. So those are the floor slides. Those are face pulls, which you know that I'm a huge fan of. Um, yep. Band pull-aparts. There's a thousand different rotator cuff strengthening exercises. The thing to remember about those rotator cuff strengthening exercises, as well as the, the glute medius strengthening exercises for your hips, those are not large muscles, particularly your rotator cuff. So you see a lot of people in the gym doing like face pulls with the whole stack on the cable machine, or they're doing like, you know, ex ro external rotation with 20 pounds or the heaviest band that they can find for pull aparts. These are not large muscles. So we don't need to be superheroes with them. We're just trying to, to strengthen them. They're, they're about an inch or two long. So think about that versus like your pec even, just your upper body, right? Your pec goes from the front of your shoulder to your sternum. So that's, you know, what, eight, nine inches versus an inch or two. So it's just, it's not the yeah. same thing. So we're not trying to do a ton of weight there. Then last two going down, your elbow is basically the knee of your, of your, <laughs> of your arm, right? The, the, your leg and your arm are, are very much parallel. You have a ball and socket joint, your hip or your, or your shoulder or your hip. You have the stable joint, the one hinging joint, which is your elbow or your knee. And then you want mobility in your wrists, just like you want mobility in your ankles. So stability <laughs> in your, yeah, stability in your elbow. It's just like that. You can just hold on to something with one hand. If you have like a TRX band or even a doorway, right? You just hang on the doorway and kind of lean back a little bit. And it just requires some, some stability in your arm to kind of hold yourself upright. And again, you're not, you don't have to like be parallel to the floor here. It's just kind of keeping yourself square and keeping your elbow there with one arm. And then wrist mobility is very similar to ankle mobility. So that was a lot. Love Thoughts it. on any of that? Questions on any of that? No, I think, I think it's fairly straightforward. I mean, I like the idea of, of building from, from the bottom up and making sure that the, you, you can't build on a, on a, you know, you know, an unstable foundation. Yeah. So bringing this all together, how do you practically do this? Well, so just go joint by joint. So you, you're going to do your warm up. You're going to start with, you know, so you, you do, an ankle mobility drill, right? You stand and, and you can literally go like standing to sitting here. So you're going to do an ankle mobility drill up against the wall, standing up. Then you're going to go to standing on one leg for work up to 15 seconds, 20 seconds per leg. Okay. Then you come down, you do a hip flexor stretch and maybe then you stay on the ground and you do like a side leg lift or something like that to wake up, you know, to do the, the glute side of things, or maybe you do that, the active, I like to do the activation stuff later on in the middle of my workout, that strengthening stuff, like, you know, pair it and then rest time, but you could put it in the warm up right there. Then you work up, you're going to do a, a thoracic spine exercise. So you could do something, um, and combine two in one. So you could do like a Spider-Man stretch with rotation, which you, you do, fairly frequently, or mm -hmm. it's, it's sometimes called the world's greatest stretch. If you Google it that way, um, you could call it either way, but it's basically, you're going to get a hip, uh, a hip flexor groin and thoracic spine all in one movement, right? So this is a way for you to combine a couple of things at once. Um, so that's you're you're already there. And then maybe you do a chest stretch and, and you're off to the races, right? Like it, it could be that, that simple. Um, there to kind of get yourself 
rocking and rolling in your warm up should probably take again if you have more stuff but you could you could probably get your warm up done in 5 to 7 minutes i think yeah. you mentioned with doing foam rolling. some of that you mentioned doing some of that within the workout what what do you recommend for for mobility during the workout or just breaking it up like that yeah so this is where you kind of get into now we're structuring a little bit further so um, again, this is, it very much depends on your goals, but for most people, when I start them out, we're going to do like a warm up like that, right? Like we just talked about a little flow, right? So we yeah. do like, it's, it's even on, I'll put, I'll link it in the show notes. I'll put my mobility flow that I still use with clients that I put on Instagram three and a half years ago. Like, it's just a little flow that kind of gets everything, hits everything and you're ready to rock and roll. The whole thing takes three and a half minutes or something like that, right? So you do that. So you foam roll, you do that, you're ready to rock. And then if you're maybe a little bit older, you, your joints are you're like, hey, I'm just, I want to make sure that I'm feeling good. Then I'll throw in, you can either throw it in right here and kind of it's mobility part two. It's like mobility into your strengthening stuff. And so that's where you'll do like a quick little back and forth and you'll do just, all right, I'm just going to do two sets of 15 reps of external rotations and mini band walks and you're going to go a little bit higher rep because you're not going crazy weight here and the whole, that whole back and forth takes i don't know three minutes you know you can also pair them and again we're getting a little bit down the road you can pair them with some strengthening exercises so you're like okay i have in during my rest time right instead of just sitting on my phone i can do some mini band walks right that aren't necessarily going to detract from my ability to do my lift. They're actually going to maybe kind of help me make sure that those muscles are, are engaged and, and that sort of a thing. Um, so as a, for instance, for me right now, I'll do my face pulls during my rest time of a landmine press. So I'll do like a landmine shoulder press, and then I'll go do a set of face pulls during some of my rest time. And it's just one, it's something to be doing during my rest time. And you can also do stretches during that time as well. You could do, you know, instead of just sitting around, you can make the most out of that rest time with some of those things that are not necessarily going to fatigue you, but are going to just, it's like, it's like, I call it prehab instead of rehab, right? So you're, you're doing the preventative work so you don't have to go to, physical therapy and get rehab because you hurt yourself. Yeah. So, all right. So we're 27 minutes in and we have covered the warm up. <laughs> love it. Um, hey, love it. But, but you're doing this so that then we can build into strength. Okay. Now order of exercises, right? If you were putting together a program, after your mobility, you would do your power stuff. And I'll talk about what that is in a little bit, but just kind of put a pin in. If you're going to do power work, which is, again, further down the line in terms of priorities and, and all of this type of thing, like you have to be able to move well first, then you can load, and then you can do power work, which is moving load quickly, right? So it kind of makes sense that you're not going to move load quickly unless you can move load under control, which is strength. And you're not going to move load under control unless you can move without load under control. So you can see how this kind of starts to build in terms of progressing. And now this can happen relatively quickly. Um, but so if you're building out your workout, you do your mobility and then you get into your strength. Uh, or you get into your power and then you get into your strength. Um, but it's a little bit more of an advanced thing to get into power stuff. So I oftentimes don't do that with clients for, you know, two, three months, depending on where they're coming from. But I do think it's really important and underrated. Um, so that might be something that we get into later on. When you, when you bring in a new client, Jeff, is there a lot of emphasis early on, on the mobility and just making that part of the routine, making sure that that's stable and, and something that people are consistent with? Um, so I, I think there's, there's two sides of this. One is, like you want to have wins. And so it's not fun or sexy to come into a workout and just like stretch the whole time. Like that's kind of boring. And, and especially if you're on like a, a journey where you're looking to get some sort of physical results, whether it's fat loss or muscle gain sure. or whatever it is. 
performance and, and you just come in and stretch, that's, that's not necessarily that, but at the same time, um, you can get mobility oftentimes through doing exercise. And so when somebody comes in, like if I was doing a one-on-one session first time, right, we're going to, we're going to slowly make our way through this mobility portion of it. So what eventually becomes five to seven minutes, we probably spend 12 to 15 on because they might never have foam rolled in their life, right? They might never have done any of these movements in their life. And so as we're going through it, I want to make sure that they know, Hey, this is where you should be feeling this. This is how you, whatever. And then we're going to go into it because we're also going to cut out power probably in that first workout, we're not going to do any power exercises and we're probably not going to do a whole ton of conditioning in that first workout because conditioning can leave you just hating your life. And so want, want them to have a win early in that, in that first workout and feel like, Hey, this is doable. Like I'd rather do too little than too much. Now this is a little different in a small group setting or something like that. If somebody comes to a small group class, it's kind of like, all right, we're kind of doing this and I can scale you down. But individually in person or online, we're going to err on the side of, Hey, we're going to do a little bit more build mobility at the beginning. Um, and then we can always add in power and conditioning down the road. Um, that makes sense. And then, but what you, but what you can do is you can actually increase your mobility through doing exercises. So I actually talked, uh, this last, uh, not this past weekend, but the one before with some of the best coaches in the world. And, and they were talking about this, like, I think a lot of coaches hype up. It's like gone the other direction where we overhype um, trying to get perfect form before we before we even do something. And so, like at some point, I'm just going to hand you a small weight, and I'm going to say, "All right, squat." Like, you know, it's not going to be 75 pounds or anything. Like that. I mean, it might be 15, 20 pounds, something like that. But oftentimes, the load will help you kind of get in and out of the squat and. And, and help you get in and out of the hole and things like that um, to kind of move through it. And I can assess how you move as I watch you squat versus the other way around where I'm like, all right, you have to have this. I'm going to break down the squat in all of its glory for you. Like that can get kind of frustrating. Like, it's just, all right, let's just squat and then let's tweak what it is that we're doing. So like when you first started working out with me, you started filming your exercises. Right. And so I had like, all right, here are your, your couple cues. Right. Like here, here's how you're going to set up. You had the video from me you said, all right. And I said, Hey, this is how you're going to set it up. And this is how you're going to, you know, a couple things to focus on, film yourself, send it to me and I can watch it and be like, Hey, we're, we're pretty good here. Let's try to do this a little bit different. And then you try to do that. And it's all right. That's great. Maybe we tweak this a little bit. And all of a sudden now you, you do that well and you move, you go through that movement pattern well, but it's, it's oftentimes just making those slight adjustments versus trying to like be perfect with it at the beginning. I like that idea of having an action bias and kind of getting going before you might have perfect form. Yeah. Well, because again, you're now we don't want to overload right dysfunction. Right. But at the same time, you know, people are walking through the, it's not like people are walking through the, like people squat every single day and they don't realize it. Right. You stand up out of your chair, you did a squat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, you do a carry as a, for instance, right? I got, I get a mom coming in who's got, you know, a three-year-old and a six-month-old and she's carrying one of them in one arm and then the car seat in the other arm and the three-year-old weighs 35 pounds and the car seat wears, weighs 25 pounds and she's, and then I hand her a, a five-pound dumbbell. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense because she's stronger than that. And so I think people are oftentimes more resilient than we give them credit for. However, we don't want to be irresponsible with that. And so I try yeah. to be like, hey, you know, we're more capable than we think we are. But at the same time, we want to play a long game with this because it's not a matter of how quickly can we get from A to B, but it's how long can we keep doing what it is that we're doing? Because it's it's a long game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm people are like, how? and this is not like a self-aggrandizing thing but people are like oh my gosh you lifted x amount of weight like that's crazy and i'm like well i've been doing that exercise for seven years like it it takes that kind of time and i'll probably be doing it for another 17 27 you know and i might not ever and i might not still be doing that same weight but i'm gonna be doing it for a while and that's how you get better at it and so sometimes it's just better to just start
All right. So, so what I think I want to do with the rest of this episode is get into strength as a, as a high level thing. And then we'll do a part three. We're going to get into like some specifics, exercise selection. That's where we'll talk about power and, and all this kind of thing, but as a high level thing, kind of strength and, and how you can put together your workouts based on your split. Does that seem to make sense? That sounds and good. We'll get some, to some, some specifics. So, all right. So as we dive in here, the way that we structure this kind of depends again on time and split and goals and all these kinds of things. But general themes are the want to build around movement patterns rather than some specific muscles. Now we can get to specific muscles kind of at the end of the, the workout, but there are four key movement patterns and then there's core stuff and carrying and things like that. But there's four key movement patterns, which are squat, hinge, push, and pull. So push and pull are your upper body. Pushing exercises are like bench press, overhead pressing, anything of that nature. Pulling exercises are any row or chin up or pull up or pull, lat pull down, any of those types of things. Squatting could be right a regular squat in whatever form, goblet, front squat, whatever it is. Um, but it also can be single leg squatting variations. So that includes lunges, mm -hmm. one leg squats, split squats, etc. Hinges, there's kind of two categories for that as well. Those could be um, any bridge type variation, hip lift type variation, um, or also like straight leg variations, which are Romanian deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, etc, etc. If you don't know what any of those exercises are, you can Google them if you'd like. Um, and it's not necessarily important that you know what they are, but just thinking about these categories. So I'm going to start with the total body workout because that's what I generally recommend for most people. Um, and kind of, we'll be able to branch off from there into upper and lower, um, because it's going to be fairly similar, but basically with an upper body or with a total body workout, you want to make sure that you're getting it's total body. You want to hit all four movement patterns, right? You're pushing exercises are going to hit. If you're thinking about muscles, right? If you hit every movement pattern, you're going to hit every muscle. If you're doing specific muscles, you might miss some movement patterns. Right. So if I'm doing a pushing exercise, I'm going to hit all my pushing muscles. I'm going to hit my shoulders. I'm going to hit my chest. I'm going to hit my triceps. I'm going to get all those types of muscles anytime I do a bench press in various degrees, right? The angle and all this type of stuff. Pulling exercises, I'm going to get my pulling muscles, my biceps, my forearms, my back. When I do my hinge, I'm going to get my hamstrings and my glutes. When I'm doing my squat, I'm going to get more of my quads as well as some of my glutes. Right? You're going to get all of the muscles when you're doing to various degrees when you're doing all these movement patterns. So when you're doing a total body workout, you want to have at least one, usually one is plenty of each of these over the course of your workout. And what I like to do is I like to group together some exercises and this is where total body can kind of lend itself to a timing making a little bit of sense. Now there's again, depending on your goals and how you rest and, and what you have for time and all this kind of stuff, there's a lot of different ways you can do this. But when you are oftentimes crunched for time and um, trying to make the most out of what it is that we're doing, grouping together exercises to like we talked about earlier to make the most out of your rest time can often give you the most bang for your buck. And so you can put together a lower body exercise, like let's just say a goblet squat with an upper body exercise, let's say a dumbbell bent over row, right? That's a pulling exercise. So we have a squat, we have a pulling exercise. And then maybe I do, you know, I could throw a third exercise in there that's like a core exercise, right? I could do a plank just as a, for instance. Okay. So now while I'm doing, so I do my set of goblet squats, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And then normally if I was just sitting in the gym, I would do that set of goblet squats and then I'd, I'd rest for however long, 60, 90, 120 seconds, something like that. And then I would do another set and then I'd rest again. And then I do another set and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you're crunched for time, we want to make the most out of that. And so if I go from my goblet squat and then I go, I kind of transition, I have my dumbbells right next my dumbbell right next to it with a bench and I just do my single arm bent over row 
and I do my set of that. While my legs are resting from the goblet squat, my arms are fine. My arms are working. I do my bent over row, and then I go from right from that into my plank. And then maybe I rest 60 seconds because my heart is going to be pounding at that point. Right. But then by the time I get all the way back to my goblet squat, I've been resting my legs for my rows and my plank and my rest time. So I'm probably now at at least two minutes of rest, maybe more than that. And so my legs are fresh. My heart rate's probably up. And so I'm getting a little bit of a cardiovascular effect by doing this. But my legs, my muscles are fresh in doing this. And so you can group together these. So I usually do a lower, an upper, and a core. And then you can go another set. You do another lower. So you just did a squat. So now I'm going to do a hinge. So maybe I do, I don't know, a single leg bridge as an example. A single leg bridge. I already did my upper pull. So now I'm going to do an upper push. Let's just say I'm going to do a push up. And then I might do another core or a carry or a corrective exercise. If I have like, oh, my shoulders really bother me. I'm going to do a corrective exercise. So maybe I do band pull aparts. Or I do another core exercise. Let's say I do, I don't know, a pal-off press. Um, you could Google that, anti-rotation press. Again, same concept. While my, like, while my, you know, I do my push-ups. Oh, man, my, my arms are gassed. All right, well, now I'm going to do a leg exercise where my arms aren't doing anything. And then I'm going to do, you know, band pull-aparts, which are the backsides of my arms. You know, it's a pulling type exercise. And so I'm not using my chest or my triceps or anything like that for my pull-aparts. So by the time I get back to my push-ups, I'm ready to rock and roll for my muscles. And right there, that's a whole workout. I've hit all of my muscles. I probably do the whole, like the strength portion of that. If I, if I do like three sets of, and again, we'll talk about sets and reps and things like that. If I did three sets of eight to 12, somewhere in there with a 60 second break in between each round, that whole thing takes like 15, 18 minutes. And you hit every muscle in your body. The grouping sounds like a pretty effective and efficient way to to, to make it happen structure-wise. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is why some of the, which is why when I when I talked in part one about what's the most flexible, most efficient use of your time, I kind of went in order of all right. Total body is going to be oftentimes most efficient yeah. and most flexible for you. Then an upper and lower body, because, and we'll talk about that in a second, we can do kind of supersets and pairing and again, similar, but not exactly the same. And then the least flexible and in your ability to get time accomplished, done, done efficiently is going to be something that is grouping together similar movements, like a push pull legs, because a push workout is going to be all pushing exercises. So your ability to recover your muscles is going to just, you're going to have to rest basically because you can't, you're not, pair, you're not going to oftentimes pair another one or you can, but then it's just going to be further exhausting you. Um, which is again, fine. That's a strategy, but, um, so yeah, the grouping together is, is a really, um, efficient way to get a lot in and, and not a lot. of time. Yeah. I was going to ask you the relationship between grouping exercises and supersets. Yeah. So supersets, so grouping, you can group as many exercises together as you want. Sometimes some people call them circuits, right? So you can group together five exercises, call it a circuit. Um, and you could do like, that's, if I was really pressed for time, I would do five exercises. I would, I would literally put all, like exactly what we talked about. I would do, all right, I'm going to do goblet squats, bent over rows, single mm -hmm. leg bridge, push ups, and a plank in a circuit and then rest at the end of it. And I might do it three, four, five times. You do that three times through and you're picking a challenging weight, you are going to be yeah. like your heart rate is going to be up. Your muscles are going to be working. Like it's perfect. Like you could do it as a circuit. That's fine. The reason why I tend the fewer exercises you do together, because there is a factor of this, which is your central nervous system, which is just your body's ability to like recover from a, like it's been taxed. So as you get stronger and you're lifting more weight, your body requires more rest just because it's spent, right? Like it's just physically, like if you've ever moved anybody or a heavy piece of furniture and you're just like, all right, I gotta, I need to take a second, right? There's something to that. So, right. If I'm, if I'm lifting a five pound dumbbell, regardless of my current strength level, that's not going to tax my body as much as if I'm lifting a hundred pound dumbbell. And so I might need to 
group together fewer exercises as I get stronger and, and because your body needs more time to recover. However, for most people beginning to intermediate, you're going to be fine grouping together two, three exercises. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to feel like cardio necessarily. Now, supersets is just a fancy word for I'm pairing together two exercises. Um, so again, you could do the same thing that we just talked about and just pair together a lower body and an upper body. That's fine. You skip the core and maybe you do the core stuff or the corrective stuff earlier, right? You come out of your mobility, you do like a, you do two correctives and a core, a little grouping there. And you, and you blast through that. I'll do that for clients sometimes. So they come in, they do their mobility flow. You do a, a band pull apart, mini band walks and a bear crawl, something like that as a little like, and you don't, cause none of that's really taxing. You probably don't even need rest for that. So you just blaze through it and you get that whole thing done in a minute and a half. And so you're like, all right, now I can just go lower upper, lower upper, lower upper and be good. Um, when you're doing supersets though, that's, that's, pairing together two exercises. So for instance, if I was doing an upper body workout, there's a way to do that as well. And it's not to say that you have to do this, but again, if you press for time, or trying to be efficient with your work, you can pair together a pushing exercise and a pulling exercise because your pushing muscles are going to rest while you're doing your pulling muscles. Now, again, central nervous system, and you are still working your upper body. And so there's going to be some crossover, um, but that's an efficient way to kind of pair together stuff. And you could do the same thing with your lower body. You could pair together a squat and a single leg bridge. That's tends to be harder for lower body stuff than it does for upper body stuff because it's not quite as divided where like, if you do a squat, you are still using your hamstrings and your glutes in a squat. Just like you like, it's not quite as divided as the upper body exercises are. So it's a little bit harder. And also oftentimes we can lift more weight with our lower body than our upper body. And so it can be again, more taxing on our central nervous system. So we need more time to mm -hmm. rest. But when you're doing like a push workout as a, for instance, if you're going to superset things, you're doing it with the intention of exhausting yourself, not necessarily at the intent of being efficient with your time necessarily. So that's why having those, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, there's actually a lot of benefits to it, but it's not as for efficiency's sake. That makes sense. So I want to kind of start to wrap this one up here because we're going to get into some of the specifics of sets and reps and things like that with our next episode. But where we're going here is the idea being with all of these workouts, once you've built up now, I've built on my strength on the, on the foundation of mobility that I, that I have, right. Then the last component is to look at your week and try to hit all of the movement patterns and all of their variations. So this is going to be my last kind of thing here. So each movement pattern has usually two different branches to it. And it has to do based oftentimes on uh, a, a component of what makes it different and kind of what muscles are dominating. So for instance, your upper body pushing and pulling, there's vertical pushing and there's horizontal pushing. So horizontal pushing would be when you're pushing your arms perpendicular to your body. So that would be like a bench press variation or a push up. There's vertical pressing, which is some sort of overhead pressing material, whether it's a single arm, you know, dumbbell overhead or a landmine press or whatever. And there's some in-between stuff. So like an incline bench press would be kind of a, a tweener. Um, I oftentimes just call that horizontal, even though it's kind of in-between. Um, but really, it's just that's the plane that you're moving in. The same thing is true of upper body pulling. There's horizontal pulling, and those are going to be your row rowing variations. And there's vertical pulling, which are chin-ups and pull-downs, those types of things that you're doing. The lower body, it's a little different. Uh, when we think about squatting, I usually categorize squatting into bilateral and unilateral, meaning two legs or one leg. And I even kind of have like a a little branch off for the unilateral, which is one leg supported, 
which would be like a split squat or a lunge, or one leg unsupported, which would be a one leg squat or a skater squat. And again, you can Google those exercises if you're unsure what I'm talking about. And a bilateral would be a traditional squat, whether it's a goblet squat, a rack squat, a landmine, front squat, front squats, whatever it is, two legs. The hinging actually has to do more with whether your leg is predominantly straight or if it's predominantly bent. So predominantly straight would be any of the RDL Romanian deadlift variations. And that includes single leg Romanian deadlifts and things like that, where your leg is basically straight and you're just bending it back and you get like a stretch in your hamstring. Oftentimes is what you feel in that exercise versus a bent leg would be any sort of a bridge or a hip lift or hip thrust. Um, it's commonly, or even a, a, a hamstring curl with a, a physio ball or sliders or anything like that. Those are going to be the bent leg variations where you're trying to kind of drive your hips up into the ceiling. And then kind of living in the in-between of those as well is lateral movement. So lateral lunges kind of tend to be a little bit of both. I think of them more as squats, but they, they tend to be a little bit of both. So when you're thinking about putting together a weekly workout, as an example, if I was doing two days, total body, I'd have one day where I would maybe bilateral squat, like a goblet squat. And then my other day, I would do like a unilateral squat, like a split squat or a Bulgarian split squat. I'd have one day where I'm doing a straight leg hip thing, like a Romanian deadlift. And then I would have my other day where I'm doing a bent leg one, like a bridge. Same thing with your upper body. You have one day you do a push-up, one day you do an overhead press, one day you do a row, one day you do a lat pull-down. And so you're getting, over the course of your week, all of the movement patterns, but also in all of their variations. And that makes sense. We're up against it for time here. So I think that's going to be... I don't know if I can hear you here. I don't know if it's recording, but... Um, yeah, so that's where I want to kind of leave it for today. It might feel like a little bit of a cliffhanger, but if you're put, putting together your workout program, think about movement patterns, building strength on top of mobility. Part three, we're going to come in and we're going to start to talk about a little bit more specifically about exercise order. We'll talk more about the upper and lower body splits, push-pull, leg split. We'll talk about rest times. We'll talk about exercise order. We'll talk about um, rep schemes, all of that kind of stuff to really dig into that. And then we'll also bring back in power and cardio as well. So uh, I don't know if we can get Remy's sound on uh, for this last little bit here, but I really appreciate him coming on. If you uh, enjoyed having him on, um, I'd love to uh, continue to do it. If you enjoyed having him on, you know, drop a, a review, five-star review, leave a comment, things like that. I'll link his, uh, his podcast in the show notes as well. So you can check that out. Um, and then, yeah, subscribe to you here, part three, when it comes out. It'll be in uh, two weeks. But appreciate you coming on, Remy. Yeah, yeah, of course, Jeff. I think making making sure we spend time on the foundation makes a lot of sense. So glad we, uh, glad we spent some time on it today. Awesome. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't hear that, Remy. I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, <laughs> maybe oh, it, it recorded and maybe it didn't. But um, there's something to do with uh, the Riverside where maybe I, I still caught that. But I appreciate uh, everybody listening. We'll talk to you all.